Pastor Jason. I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast from United Church. We pray that this blesses and encourages you in your walk with God. If you'd like to find more information about our church, including our address, upcoming events, or find a place to give, feel free to visit our website at fergusunited.org. God bless and enjoy the message. reasons, and uh, I can uh, preach, and then I can write all my miles off, uh, and uh, also hunt, and, uh, oh, we're going to dismiss for Sunday school. Oh, Sunday school. You are to help us. Amen. God bless our Sunday school kids. You well. I am going to direct your attention to Acts chapter 5 and verse number uh, 32, and uh, that's the first slide. If Do I need to tell you when to go to the next slide, or do we I have a, you got a clicker? No, just let him know. All right, Acts 3, uh, Acts 5 rather, verse 32, Acts 5, 32, and uh, let's stand because you may be seated for a long time. Everybody likes to hear that when the preacher gets up to preach. But Acts 5.32, this is the scripture I want to kind of dive off of and, and focus in on. But there's a lot surrounding this too. And uh, I want to help people uh, with your perception of what witnessing is. It is not convincing somebody of the truth. It's simply testifying of the truth. And you could go home and you'd have the whole message. But uh, I've got a lot of other things to say about that same thing that will leave us with an understanding. Uh, sometimes we think we have to do a Bible study with people and we have to convince them. That's not witnessing. Witnessing is simply testifying to the truth. That's all it is. So Acts 5, 32, and we are his witnesses of these things. And... So is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. There's a lot in this verse, and I want to talk about we are his witnesses of these things. That's what I want to talk about this morning. We are his witnesses of these things. These things are important. Not the witnesses necessarily, but the things they're witnessing is the most important thing. Let's pray and ask God to help us today. Would you do that? Jesus, we're thankful for your goodness and mercy. We're thankful today that we can be in your house. And we pray today that your will would be done, that you'd open our minds and understanding to the word of God. Help us to become more like you. Help us to leave this place and be a blessing in your kingdom everywhere we go. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The backdrop of this text is very interesting. Uh, it's in a place in Jerusalem where many miracles happened and where the early church gathered. And that place is called Solomon's Porch. Can you go to the next one? That's my title. Yes, we are his witnesses of these things. Next one. Uh, this you can see is Solomon's Porch. 
It is a very long, uh, it wasn't this long originally when Solomon built it, but then after King Herod uh, built it, his, the, the replacement of Solomon's temple, uh, he built it and enlarged it. Next one, please. Um, you can see here Solomon's portico, which is what is referred to many times, so it's right here at this bottom part of the, uh, that whole area is Solomon's porch. So when you read about the Bible, miracles happening, discussions happening in Solomon's temple, uh, Solomon's porch, now you know where it is. I've got a lot of other things to say about that, but we'll just skip that for this morning. Now, I just wanted you to be aware of this because sometimes, I don't know about you, but I love maps. I like to know what's going on. I like to know where things are happening, uh, when things are being discussed. Now, there are two different groups at the reading of this text that are about to become uh, in confrontation, about to have a confrontation. How many know confrontation is not good, it's not bad, it just is? Confrontations are where two people disagree or have a disagreement about things and they come together and hopefully they're open to truth because ultimately truth is what should establish all things. But these two groups were coming to a confrontation. On the one hand was all the men of the leading religious portions in Jerusalem. They were called the Sadducees. Uh, they were well-known men. Acts chapter 4 and verse 6. I don't have this scripture. But Acts chapter 4 and 6 says, And Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander. Yes, I do. The next one, please. Uh, and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest, were gathered together in Jerusalem. So here... We have names, Caiaphas, John, Annas, Alexander, and all those that know were a part of the kindred of the high priest. They were gathered together at Jerusalem. Everyone knew their names. Their names were common uh, to all. Acts 5.21 tells us that the high priest and they that were with him in the council and all the senate of the children of Israel. So this is one sign. These are the big shots. These are the big names. These are men of the council. These are of the Senate of the children of Israel. On the other hand, there are the common men dressed in common clothes. Not one of them was famous. Nobody knew their names except for their association with Jesus of Nazareth. They are just working class fishermen of the Sea of Galilee. No scholar among them. No ruler. No priest. Now, on the side of the religious leaders dressed in their finest robes, the priest and his friends, the phylacteries the, and their uh, faces that are so full of confidence in their station and position of life, they have a culture. They're full of culture and they are full of fine education. On the other hand was the homespun simple garments, the rough and rugged splendor of hardworking men with a strange kind of boldness and light in their eyes because these men had been with Jesus. So on one side was against this fledgling group of nobodies, this group of annoying chihuahua yipping ankle biters, these, these noise makers going on about the man that they had gotten rid of because uh, they had crucified him and now they keep bringing up his name and they just won't let 
the religious leaders alone, but they keep hearing, these religious leaders keep hearing from these disheveled group of deplorables that the one they crucified has resurrected from the dead. What a bunch of rubbish. It's garbage. Why are they talking like this? We, we don't believe in this superstition called resurrection. We don't believe in the resurrection from the dead. We don't believe in angels and we don't believe in spirits are what the Sadducees are saying. And then they go on to say, we have heard all about the superstitious tales of this so-called Jesus of Nazareth who was raised from the dead. They preach that we crucified our Messiah and they try to bring his blood upon our heads as if we've done anything wrong. And so those religious leaders attempt to, to um, uh, make themselves appear to be innocent in all of this as if they've done nothing wrong. After all, they are the religious leaders of the day. But if we look at Acts chapter 2, we can find that this is the chapter where the power of God and the Holy Ghost was poured out. And Peter, the head spokesman, preached about Jesus resurrecting from the dead and speaking in tongues as the, uh, was the promise of the Father. And uh, no doubt religious leaders had heard all of this as well. In Acts chapter 3, uh, they also heard about another story about a lame man that was at the gate beautiful who was healed. And if you remember from the map, that was just beyond uh, the Solomon's porch and right before as you entered into the court of the women, as you entered toward the temple and no Gentile could go there and no person that was uh, uh, lame or uh, that was uh, handicapped could go beyond that gate beautiful into the temple area at all. And so that lame man sat at the gate beautiful and he had been there for 40 years and he was lame from his birth. So they say, the Sadducees said, and when Peter and John prayed for him, he supposedly leapt up and shouted and went in the temple uh, for the first time in his life. He was able to go in there because it was no longer lame. And then Peter uh, used this occasion on Solomon's porch to preach the resurrection of Jesus and the gospel message. And then in Acts chapter 4, 5,000 ran to the church uh, and uh, uh, the apostles Peter and John were brought before the council to be threatened by them to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. So these religious leaders are very uh, conversant and very familiar with Peter and John and, and these Christians and they were nothing but a thorn in the side of them. And then we come to Acts chapter 5, and the beginning of this chapter opens with Ananias and Sapphira saying that they had sold X amount of uh, uh, money, they got X amount of money for selling their lands, and, and uh, they lied to the church and the Holy Ghost, and it was no big deal. They could have said, look, we gave, we're going to give you a portion, but they tried to say that they were giving all to God, and they weren't giving all to God, and immediately after they spoke those words, the Holy Ghost struck them dead and great fear came upon all of the Christians at that time. Amen. God is not someone you lie to. God is someone that you should be truthful and uh, always live a life that is circumspect. Now we get to Acts chapter 5 verses 12 to 16. Next uh, uh, one please. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people and they were all with one accord 
again there in Solomon's porch. Should be the next one. Keep going. Click. There you go. And it's going to come up one at a time. Just follow along with me until I get to the end if you don't mind. Verse 13. And all the rest, there's no man joined himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. Beautiful thing that's happening in the early church. They were all with one accord. They were united. That's a good thing. They were in Solomon's porch. And they gathered together there, and the Lord added multitudes, both of men and women, to the church. And then miracles were happening. We see in verse 15, then in verse 16, there came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. This is a wonderful time. This is what the early church uh, enjoyed, and this is what uh, they knew and they understood that since Jesus was crucified and rose again from the dead, and once they figured out that he had come uh, to be their Messiah, and indeed he was, and he rose from the dead and power over death, hell, and the grave, and then he resurrected into heaven, saying that he would pour out the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Ghost, and that happened on the day of Pentecost, and then then these were transformed. Jesus said, ye shall do greater things because I go to my Father. And now we see not just Jesus doing miracles, but now we see that many miracles were done at the hands of the apostles and many of the believers of the church. And so we're seeing a snowball effect happening, if you will, where not only Jesus is doing things, but now the followers of Jesus are doing the same things that Jesus did. And we need to understand that this is what is part of that early church, which I believe is still part of the church today. Can you say amen? And then in verses 16 and 17, the next one, please. The Bible says the high priest rose up and all they that were with him, which was of the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. And so now they took the, they, these troublemakers, these uh, people that don't line up with their dogma, don't line up with uh, their uh, version uh, of what they believe that God should be their orthodoxy, shall we say. These were men that were stepping out of orthodoxy and they were preaching another gospel. And this gospel was not another gospel, but it was the only gospel, the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But because of all of that, we have all of these other things. Everyone say other things. Now, Acts chapter 5, beginning with verse 19, reading down through verse 32, is the uh, preamble to what I end, or started with in verse 32. Now, this is kind of the back story, beginning with verse 19. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Very interesting. They put Peter and John in prison and an angel comes and lets them out. Now, that's a very interesting part of this story. 
The Sadducees, of course, didn't believe in a resurrection. They didn't believe in anything spiritual. And the reason you can say that they're Sadducees is the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection, so they are sad you see. That's a good way to remember that. And so the Sadducees are uh, now uh, putting them in prison, thinking that we've got them locked up and that we've taken care of this issue. But as oftentimes the way God does work when we live according to his principles and precepts, uh, these things that uh, the devil means for bad, the Lord is able to turn it around for good. And so God dispatches an angel and takes uh, uh, Peter and uh, James, Peter and John, rather, out of the prison. And uh, then he tells them to go and stand and speak at the temple to the people all the words of this life, verse 21. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came and they that were with him and called the council together and all the senate of the people of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came and found them not in prison, they returned and told, saying, The prison was true, truly found. We shut up with all safety and the keepers standing without before the doors. But when we had opened, we found no man therein. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. Well, wait a minute. We don't want the supernatural story to get out. We don't want people to understand that we put them in there and they should have been in there and now they're not in there, but the doors are locked and how did they get out of there? This is some sort of a magical thing that's happened, supernatural thing, and we don't believe in all that stuff, so uh, we don't want this to grow. Verse 25, then came one of them and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. This is very interesting, this next verse. Then Peter and the apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. He was saying, Look, I'm just telling you what's happened. I am a witness. All I'm doing is stating facts that I have seen with my own eyes. And then he said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hung on a tree, but hath, uh, him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And so here he's talking about repentance and then, of course, forgiveness of sins. And we know that that is forgiveness of sins is really accomplished beginning with repentance, but ending with baptism for the remission of those sins. Verse 32, and we are witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey him. So here we have the gospel message, repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and then the infilling of the Holy Ghost that is given to all that are obedient, those that obey. And that's very important. Amen. There is nothing higher that you can do for the kingdom of God and for God himself than simply obey the word of God. Can you say amen? 
But isn't it interesting that these religious, these famous, everybody knew their name, religious men, and their fancy clothes and their empty rhetoric, he said to them, we are witnesses of these things. What things? What are the things that he, we are witnesses of? God was saying, God, uh, uh, rather Peter was saying that God would have you to repent and to receive the Holy Ghost. But you don't believe that, do you? You religious people, you don't believe that the old wineskins uh, are taken away. Some new wineskins uh, uh, need to have this new wine poured in it. This new wine of the, the New Testament. Because the, your old wineskins are bursting because of the New Testament that is now coming into fruition. You don't believe in a resurrection. Isn't that interesting, Peter said, but I am witnessing to you that Christ is risen from the dead. You don't believe in angels, do you? But I am witnessing to you that angels came and delivered us from your common prison last night. And then we were told to teach in the temple. And that's exactly what we were doing when you came and you brought us here. You don't believe in a spiritual world, but I witness to you today that we have received the Holy Ghost, the spirit of the resurrected Christ, and all who have obeyed God will receive that. <coughs> Excuse me. Thank you for this water that I'm about to partake of, which is a type of the Holy Ghost. Amen. <laughs> This water clenches my natural man, but there is a, a water that comes from heaven, a spirit that will quench, in your, quench the thirst of your spiritual man. And nothing but the spirit of God will do that. Now, the church is still saying the same thing. We are still witnessing the same thing. We're still saying that Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. We're still saying that angels are still ministering spirit sent forth to help them who shall inherit salvation. And we're still saying that men still need to obey God and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Verse 32 of Acts chapter 5. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey him. And so the mission that Jesus gave the apostles was this found in Luke chapter 24 and verses 44 through 49. Next one, please. And he said unto them, these are the words which I spoke unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Jesus then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And Jesus said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these Things. For behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. So this is the, the promise that God gave to the, the apostles. And this is exactly what they did in obedience. They went to Jerusalem, to that upper room and began to pray. Now in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, the next one please. 
but Jesus said, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall, ye shall be witnesses, there it is again, unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Then we find on the day of Pentecost in Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse number 30 and going to verse number 32. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of the loins, fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither, or in the grave, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. There's that word again, witnesses. Then, skipping to Acts chapter 3, the next one please, verses 14 through 16. But ye deny the Holy One of the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and kill the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name, through fame and his name, hath made this man strong. Talking about, of course, uh, what happened when the lame man was healed at the gate beautiful. And uh, there uh, they are now called on the carpet again before these same big names of the uh, religious council at that time. And uh, uh, then he says, you uh, kill the prince of life whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses, verse 16. And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So we see time and time again when they're called before religious leaders, they're not giving them a Bible study. They're simply witnessing of what they have seen and what they know to be true. Amen. Acts chapter 5 verse 32, again our key verse, and we are his witnesses of these things. What things? His resurrection, the pouring out of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The wonderful baptism in the name of Jesus and uh, the sins being remitted, the repentance that happened. We are witnesses of these things. What things? The miracles that were done. The miracle for the lame man at the gate, beautiful. The miracles of those that were healed after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and ascension into heaven. And after the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of God was poured out upon that 120 or so in that upper room, and then it spilled out into the streets. And then 3,000 were added that very day to the church. Later, we find that 5,000 were added added to the church. Listen, my friend, this is the way that God wants it to be. But it starts with somebody witnessing, just telling and stating the facts, just saying, this is what we know to be true. This is what we have seen with our own eyes. That is what it means to be a witness when you're called into a courtroom and they tell you or ask you to swear on a Bible and tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help you, God. What you say is, I will affirm to do that. And then you tell them what you know to be true, what you have seen, or the facts that are pertinent to the case. 
That's what it means to be a witness. You're not teaching a Bible study. You're not trying to twist somebody's arm. You're not trying to make them believe something they don't believe. You're simply stating the facts. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey him. And this is still the mission and the method that we should be using in the church today. Our mission is we are witnesses of these things. How many of you have seen God heal somebody? How many have been healed by God? Amen. I am here to tell you that you just need to tell people when they say they're sick. I've been healed. God has touched me. Amen. And however that happened, somebody prayed for you in the name of Jesus and you were healed. Maybe you just called out to the name of Jesus yourself and said, God, I'm sick in body. I need you to touch me and heal me. And God does that. However it happens, we need to say when somebody's sick, I'll pray for you because I know a God who can touch and I know a God that can heal. Amen. And when we pray for them, we know that God's going to touch. We know that God's going to heal. Amen. It doesn't mean that it's going to be right then and there, but we do know that God is able to touch and God is able to heal. Amen. Can you say amen? We need to testify and witness about these things. Peter did not put the emphasis on we, but he put it on witnesses in this statement. He said we are witnesses of these things. It's not about the one witnessing. It is about what you are witnessing. It is what, what you are saying. It's the statement that's important. It's not you. Sometimes we say, well, I don't feel like I can tell anybody about God because of the life I'm living. I'm not where I need to be right now. Listen, I can tell you a person that was backslidden. He walked away from God, but he knew the truth. And on a bar stool, he witnessed to a man next to him. And that man came to church. And that man was filled with the Holy Ghost. And that man is now a preacher in Oklahoma today. Amen. It doesn't matter. God can use a drunk standing on a street corner reading the word of God. Amen. And if somebody can walk by, hear that word of God and repent and be saved. Because it's not about us. It's about his word. It's not about what, uh, who we are. It's about who he is. Can you say amen? <coughs> so we are witnesses of these things. That's our mission. That's our statement. Acts chapter 5, verse 29. The next one, please. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. <coughs> the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Now that's interesting. Because these men are talking to the very ones who slew Jesus and put him on the tree. They could do the same thing to them. But they are totally sold out. They are being a witness. And it doesn't matter who they are witnesses to. They know that they need to obey God rather than men. And so the very ones that crucified Jesus, now they are witnessing with a boldness they didn't have before Jesus was resurrected from the grave. Can you say amen? The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom he slew and hung on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey him. God has given the Holy Ghost to them that obey him. And we should certainly witness of these things. But also the miracles and signs and wonders 
Jesus is still doing in the church of the living God. Men and women are repenting of their sins. They're being baptized in the name of Jesus and receiving the wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost. Lame men are leaping and praising God and we are witnesses to these things. That is the church's mission. The church does not exist to entertain the people. We are not actors. We exist to witness of these things, air quotes, the crucified and risen Christ, the exalted to the right hand of God, Christ, the one who told us to preach repentance and remission of sins in his, in Jesus name, in baptism, and the one who fills us with the spirit of the resurrected Christ, the Holy Ghost. The world doesn't need another church on the corner claiming to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. The world needs a church that can witness of these things. Can you say amen? amen? So find me a man who calls himself a Christian and does not witness to the risen, the risen Christ and the exalted Christ, the Holy Ghost, and he is of absolutely no use to either God or man. Find me a church where the love of God and man exists. Find me a church where men believe in the resurrected Christ. Find me a church where men know Christ in the power of his resurrection because they have received the Holy Ghost. Find me men and women who cannot wait to tell others about these things. And that is the church that is a witness because he is still alive. He still does miracles. He still moves mountains. He still makes a way where there seems to be no way. He still heals the sick. He still saves to the uttermost these things. That is the church's business. We are witnesses of these things. So what is a witness? A witness is more than a man who talks. In the Greek, the word translated as witness is martus, martus. We are martus. We are martyrs of these things. So what is a martyr? They are the ones who sacrifice their lives to show their dedication to their Savior. But the question is this. Were they martyrs because they gave their lives in the fire or did the fire simply reveal that they were martyrs? The question, I'll say it again. Were they martyrs because they gave their lives in the fire? Or did the fire simply reveal they were martyrs? They were martyrs before the fires were lit. Or they would have never submitted to the fires. They would have recanted. They would have said something different. So witness is martyr. That's what that word is. So then what is a martyr? He is a confessor. A martyr is one who is first convinced of truth and then yields his life to the claims of that truth of which he is convinced. He is a specimen. He is an evidence. He is a sample. He is a credential. He is a proof. He is a witness. We are a credential of these things. We are a specimen of these things. We are a sample of these things. We are a proof of these things. 
We say that Jesus has been crucified and that he has been resurrected. And we say that Christ is working to give repentance and remission of sins. And that is true. And we say that Jesus is pouring out the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So how are we going to prove these things? By the transformation of our lives. We are not the same as we were before. You see, when the Apostle Peter stood before those that had crucified Jesus... And he said, we are witnesses of these things. He didn't debate with them. He did not argue with them. He simply bore witness to what he had seen and heard. Peter said, I'm telling you that Jesus has resurrected. I'm witnessing to you that you can repent of your sins and be baptized and receive the Holy Ghost. Are you telling me you really don't believe in the stories you've already heard about the Holy Ghost, the miracle signs and wonders done in Jerusalem? You have already stated that we have filled the entire city of Jerusalem with this doctrine. This has not been done in a corner and we are witnesses of these things. Peter said, you know what we were before we were born again of water and the spirit. You know that we were hiding with the doors and the windows shut and locked. And now look at us. We are witnesses of these things. We have been changed. We are not the same. Why? Because the Holy Ghost given to those that obey God. It is the power of God uh, unto resurrection and unto holiness. It is the power of God of the Holy Ghost that uh, uh, we are what we are. You see, Christianity is not something we do. Christianity is something we are. It is something we are. Being a Christian is not something. You don't just come to church and that makes you a Christian. Amen. Any more than taking my little Ford Focus and parking it in the Mercedes Benz uh, sales floor. And saying now it's a Mercedes Benz. That doesn't change my Ford Focus into a Mercedes. Simply because I brought it to the dealership and parked it in their building. And it doesn't make you a Christian just coming to church. What makes you a Christian is the things that you are. The things that you have have what God has done in your life and this is what the church does it confronts the world with a living witness and if the church has no witness she is useless if she has no witness she has no message and if the church is unable to present any lives transformed by the power of the Holy Ghost people remade people changed this world will not listen I am no different than those around me. I am not a witness. I need these things in my life. I need the supernatural. I need the Holy Ghost to lead and to direct my steps. Just like you need that power of the Holy Ghost to lead and direct your steps. So the question this morning as I close is this. Am I a witness? Does not mean am I a preacher? Unless your life is filled with these things, obedience to the Holy Ghost, your words will ring hollow. You can talk about God all you want, but the thing is, do you have a red hot relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you been in the prayer room? Are you submitted to a man of God in your life? Are you submitted to the kingdom of God? Are you submitted to the king of kings and the Lord of lords? Do you believe this is true or do you just say it? 
And there's a difference. The personal pronoun, we, are his witnesses of these things. Who are we? They're Galilean fishermen. They're not the pomp and splendor of the religious organizations or the religious orthodox. They were simply Galilean fishermen. They were witnesses of these things and it made them, uh, gave them a powerful foundation in their lives. So powerful that the established kingdom of this world, even the gates of hell, could not prevail against what they were preaching. They're, they were the revolutionaries of their world and they were the ones who turned their world upside down. Not they, but these things. It wasn't them. It wasn't the, it wasn't the messenger. It was the things they said. It was these things that were most important. These things that they were talking about. These simple men gave themselves to God completely and transformed their lives and became a force that could not be opposed by the enemy. Would you stand with me this morning in conclusion? <clears throat> there is no one here today that is so weak that he or she cannot be transformed by belief in these things. These things. If you just talk about these things, you are not the most important thing. These things are the most important thing. What is the most important? Jesus resurrected from the dead. Amen. Nobody's ever done that before. He rose from the dead. Nobody's ever done that. He rose. He himself had the power to raise himself from the dead. And he did that. Then he said to heaven, he poured out the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the power from on high that gave us the power to be witnesses. Don't tell me you can't be a witness. Don't tell me you can't talk about the things that you know, the things that you have seen, and the things that you have heard. You don't have to convince anybody of anything. All you have to do is speak it. Talk to them. Say, I know a man. I know a man whose name is Jesus. I know a man that can come into your life and that can change your life. If you're sick, I know that I can call upon the name of that man and he will come and the power that is in that name and he will heal you. I know the power in that name and when you go down in the, in the waters of baptism, amen, he is the one that can save you and wash your sins completely away because it was his blood that was shed at Calvary, his perfect blood. You can testify about these things. It's not about you. It's about him. <coughs> Amen. And so there is no one here today that cannot become a force for God. And if you will simply cooperate with God and enter into his yoke of obedience, enter into the dominion that God wants you to enter into through the power of the Holy Ghost. You see, our responsibility is to walk in the light. We are to walk as the light. As he is the light. We need to get into a place. Where we can walk in the light. And obey the spirit's leading. And do not resist. Do not quench the spirit. And you broken as you think you are. Can do these things. And you can be a witness. Of these things. I wonder right now. If we can just come to this altar. And I would like all of us to just come and say, God, I'm coming just the way that I am, broken. 
I notice that some have broken ankles, some have broken fingers. This is a broken church already. But let's come this morning and just say, God, I'm broken in spirit. And I am breaking my spirit before you. I am, I am allowing you today to touch me and to let your will be done in my life. And I want to be a witness of these things. I simply want to testify about what I know to be true to other people. What they do with it is up to them. But I want to be a witness. Would you just raise your hand toward heaven and would you surrender yourself toward God and would you say, God, I am here today to be a witness of these things. I am here today to speak, Lord, of the wonderful things that have happened in my life since I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I am here to witness to people that they can receive the same presence of the Lord in their life, the same gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm here just to tell people it's available and they can have it if they want it. And Lord, I ask you to help me to simply be a witness, to be a martyr, to be the one who believes and testifies to truth. I pray today that you would help us to tell other people, not to convince them. It's not our job to convince them. But Lord, your word is the one, your word that never returns void. When we speak your word and the promises of your word, Lord, it'll fall upon the ears. And it'll get down in the hearts of people that need you. And that word will be forever there. It will not be able to be removed. I pray, God, that you would help us to just simply plant seeds in the lives of people. God, you're good. You've been good to me. You've blessed me. And Lord, I've seen you do great things. And I need to let my world know. The world that I come into contact with every day. I need to let them know that we are witnesses. That there's a God in heaven that can touch. A God in heaven that can move in their lives. A God in heaven that can transform them from sinners into saints. Oh God, I pray today that you would help us to be witnesses of these things. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would touch every heart that you would touch every life that you would bless us today and help us to go from this place more convinced than we have ever been of your goodness and mercy Lord the things that you're able to do Lord through us you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or even think according to the power that is in us and I thank you God today for your promises they are yea and they are amen. Would you just clap your hands toward heaven? Would you just thank God for his goodness and his mercy? Would you just clap your hands and thank him? Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. We love you today. We thank you today for your goodness and your mercy. It endures forever. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Brother uh, may, uh, Brother uh, Brooks, please come and uh, dismiss this morning, if you would. Amen, amen. Hey folks, Pastor Jason here again. I pray the message you just heard inspires you to draw closer to God. We also believe at United Church that it's very important to be connected to a local assembly. If you're in the Fergus Falls or surrounding area in Minnesota, we would love to have you join us for a Sunday service. If you're not and you're looking for a local church where you live, we'd love to help with that as well. Take the time to stop by our website, fergusunited.org, 
send us a message letting us know where you live, and we would gladly connect you with a great local assembly. God bless. Until next time.